Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Tim from Only Endurance joins us again as we get ready for Sebring. How you guys doing? Tim? Then Frenchie. Yeah, doing good, thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, really looking forward to this week. It's It always seems to roll around really quick. Same with Daytona. You just seem to be enjoying you know, a little bit of the off-season, enjoying some of the hype building, and before you know it, you're you're into super sebring and you've got you know two for us in the uk two very late nights <laughs> to round off the week but uh looking forward to it so both nights for you probably end what three four o'clock in the morning your time yeah definitely definitely the 12 hours is is towards 3 a.m the sebring uh, the thousand miles sorry is yeah after midnight probably about one o'clock depending on whether it runs to time or distance. Gross. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Frenchie. Hey, I mean, we did Daytona, so yeah, I'd be happy yeah. to, you know, I'm, I'm ready to watch uh, an absurd amount of racing this weekend. I'm kind of glad that there's no IndyCar because we have focus. Friday, Saturday, and then we have Sunday with the F1 race. So we're, we're set for this weekend. I didn't even realize there was F1 this weekend. I'm such a bad fan. Yeah, Saudi anyway, Arabia. Uh, well, you know, that probably explains why I forgot about it, but we'll save that for, we'll save that for, for another day. Let's see here. Let, let's just start off with, I, I know actually Frenchie, I know where you want, you, you were talking to me before Tim joined about what you wanted to start with. So you, you go ahead. I guess just since we last saw you, obviously Daytona happened and then we just got news of the penalty for the winning car. For the Meyer Shank Racing Acura, I wanted to just hear a little bit of your perspective on that penalty. And obviously, we don't know, you know, we're not, we're not inside the pits on that team, but uh, clearly there was something fishy going on. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where we're never going to know the true story. We're never really going to know what was going on. But what we do know, I think, is pretty, I don't know, disappointing is probably the word I'd use. I kind of feel like we've been, as a fan, from a fan's perspective, that that race was built up to be you know the start of this whole new chapter and then here we are you know two three weeks month or so down the line and uh it comes out that the the winning car is, i mean essentially was operating in under illegal you know parameters with an illegal system so don't know i feel a little bit cheated from a from of the of the result but i think um i think a lot of people online are saying that for us as as fans um 
I think it's really interesting the relationship about HPD bringing it forward as well. Um, I think that's something quite potentially that people might overlook with this is that IMSA are the ones that have found it. In fact, it was HPD that you know came forward with this, um, you know, and 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 gave the information over to IMSA. Um, I, yeah, it's a really tricky one. It's a really tricky one, I think. And and yeah, like I say, I think the overriding feeling is a little bit disappointed in 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 the result and in the fact that it's happened in the first place, right? Man, that's true. I I, I heard, and I don't know if we like talked about this previously on an episode, Frenchie, or if it was just you and I, but there was somebody who during the race had figured out what Meyer Shank was doing it was on another another one of the teams and they brought it I think they brought it to IMSA and then nothing was kind of done with it for you know what are we six weeks past at this point so I, I wonder did it take HPD six weeks to figure it out and not that that's a bad thing but or were mm. they just kind of gathering all of the data so that when they said hey this is what we found they just you know, gave everything they possibly could know to IMSA, which is probably what they were doing. I don't think it took six weeks to figure that out. My um, a friend of mine put it: "It's like when you haven't done homework for class, <laughs> and instead of waiting for the teacher to collect it to find out that you haven't done it, to to say as soon as you walk in, you know, oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't quite do this homework. You know, beat them to it, kind of thing. I feel like yeah. that's a really silly way of putting it, but I, I feel like HBD coming forward with it maybe maybe help them out, but." Still got some pretty harsh penalties. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, looking forward to at least you know, Friday, we had the prologue this weekend. Lots of laps run and testing. You probably watched it a lot closer than Frenchie and I did because we were at the bar most of Saturday afternoon and Saturday <laughs> evening. So what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think we're set for a really intriguing opening race and a very exciting I mean, we all knew it was going to be an exciting work season, right? But yeah. um, I think we're looking for something really, really special here. A few interesting storylines brewing. Um, first of all, it looks like Toyota out of the blocks are, are the ones to beat. Obviously, it's testing. Can't read too much into all of the times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Toyota obviously look like they've got a really strong package. And it looks like this third evolution, if you like, of the GRO10 is is proving to be quick you know be it on slightly longer runs be it on the quali pace more often than not toyota were topping the times what is interesting is then who's next in that pecking order yeah you're looking at really cadillac look to be the closest actually matching toyota's out and out pace you know on the on the one lap shall we say um which i think is very exciting right for cadillac to come into to work a single car entry as well and be up there fighting with arguably you know the team to beat so we've got toyota cadillac then you'd say kind of porsche and ferrari are on a similar level ferrari potentially a little bit slower than porsche porsche looking pretty solid there of course was the incident as well for james collado on his on his outlap um actually you know pinning the car quite badly at turn one uh on on the exit and, and taking the front right corner and breaking the suspension and actually losing the afternoon session for the team and that car having to basically go under, undergo a pretty significant rebuild. So some pretty, you know, some, some interesting um, 
developments as well with Van Wall, who are brand new, of course, to the series as well this year. Jack Villeneuve in that car, which is obviously you know plenty of talking about that position for him. Um, you know, those guys really have pace to find, and I think we we were expecting that. How much pace they need to find, I think, is potentially shocked a few people. And then somewhere in the middle between those, you've got Glickenhaus and, and Peugeot who are looking to get their cars, you know, dialed in. Easy to forget this is Peugeot's fourth race with this car. Still very new, still a lot of issues that they had throughout last season. So, yeah, it's been in the top class. It's it's just one of those really intriguing, you know, pre-season tests like you get with any series, Formula One, IndyCar. You know, you're asking the questions, not really quite sure what the answer is. Um, other classes, P2s, just as close as ever. And no GTE Pro Championship this year, so it's just GTM. And again, that's, you know, once again, proving to be really close and a very interesting, uh, what will be final season for the, the GTE regulation. So across the board, I think we're set for a bit of a barnstormer of a year. You think we might see some of the similar... I mean, we obviously had concerns about the reliability for Daytona and it didn't, mm. I mean, it sort of proved to be true with some of the cars. Do you think we're going to have a similar issue maybe uh, on Friday for the 1000? Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting, right? So two teams, two, you know, two, two manufacturers have run those cars already, you know, essentially in the, the, the most difficult 24-hour test you could get, which would be Daytona to start off. So Cadillac and Porsche, whether they've eradicated those problems, I'm going to play the only time will tell card, but uh, I think they will be working furiously, especially Porsche, right? Who were quick at Daytona. That car was definitely, you know, Acura was probably the fastest. Then you'd maybe want the Cadillac next, but the Porsche was up there. Only just those hybrid issues, some errors as well crept in and, and really knocked it back. But if Porsche can, you know, find that pace, I think they'll be right up there. Will the reliability issues still be around? Yeah, I think that's something that will be hovering over and I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those problems strike again. But undoubtedly, the last, you know, two months, uh, month and a half of, of time between the races will have just been flat out trying to eradicate those problems, um, particularly on the hybrid side where it's you know a, a spec component right it's from bosch and, and other suppliers eliminating that will be massive to who's essentially their customers so um we'll have to wait and see can yeah. we bet on the problems uh just basically <laughs> happening to ferrari based on their formula one performance and their issues that they've had <laughs> over there <laughs> yeah do you know what? that's one of the things i see quite a lot in comment sections are people yeah people going ah yeah. oh, ferrari are gonna screw it like they do in f1 <laughs> yeah, exactly. and i have like it's the same thing unfortunately i have to, in a good way right it's not the f1 team running this it's af Corsa, <laughs> who are you know probably one of the best sports car teams out there so we're safe on that department they're not going to be putting on you know wet tires in the dry or that kind of thing they won't hopefully <laughs> won't be doing that um but it's going to be, yeah, I think that's going to be fascinating to see as well because the, the incident Collado had has brought up a, an interesting topic of conversation about tyre warmers. So obviously at IMSA, the, the WEC pit lane is on, on the back stretch. They then come round sunset and cross the start-finish line, you know, if they have to leave pit lane. So they're outlapsed out to corner early. From what I understand, Collado left pit lane, rounded the final corner, 
And on his first run through turn one, ran wide and dropped it. Now, Collado's been a, a WEC driver for however many years now in GT Pro. He's dabbled in some IMSA stuff. But the difference is this year, there's no tire warmers in WEC. In IMSA, that's always been a thing. You know, we always see the cars doing burnouts. We always see the ridiculously slow outlaps as the cars get up to speed, get the heat in the tires. The real interesting question about whether any drivers with that IMSA experience will have an advantage over WEC drivers who haven't had to deal with that. I was talking to a driver that was saying it's it's crazy, the difference, you know, just 10 degrees ambient when you're having to deal with cold tires is just massive. And somewhere like Sebring, you'd hope it'd be less than Daytona, but it's it's still not ideal. So yeah, the, you know, the, the, that tire issue is going to come into it as well. Will we see, like you say, it, the Porsche or Cadillac teams that have already had experience uh, with this car on cold tires? It's not to say other teams haven't been testing doing it. Is that a little area for uh, risk versus reward for someone to really step up and be really good and actually be something to compare at the end of the race? You know, outlaps from the IMSA versus WEC drivers and see who who's got that grasp of the colder rubber, you know, straight off the bat. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of, a lot of cards to play at the weekend. So kind of on the IMSA and WEC, I don't want to say comparison because we're supposed to, you know, technically have convergence, but with the BOP that came out for WEC and it, now granted this is just testing, but mm. the Porsche 963 in IMSA is almost two seconds a lap quicker than the Porsche WEC version. And the Toyota hypercar is only about a tenth of a second clear of the LMP2 track record at Sebring. So this is really for both you guys. Like, is that something to I don't know if worry about is the right word, but is it a little disappointing considering you know, the WEC and IMSA at the top class are supposed to be you know, fully confer- converged at this point? Yeah, so I think just quickly, the I think those times, I feel like I've seen the exact same comparison you've yeah. seen. Um, I think the importance is there is that the Porsche time in that comparison is from private testing. The, okay. Okay. And then what's happened now is Sebring, Cadillac, and Porsche in both championships are running, as far as I'm aware, the exact same balance of performance measurements. So we should hopefully see Hypercar and GTP actually level. You know, we should see them as close to being level as we get, which makes sense to the point, as you say, convergence. It would be pretty silly if, right. you know, we rocked up all converged and then IMSA were two seconds a lap faster. But I think there's been a change between the private testing. They've now applied that, the actual race, Bob, if you like, and, and that slowed things down a bit. I'm really hoping that uh, we don't have the same issue for the Porsche GT3 cars, at least that we saw at Daytona. We won't. They increased the... Hold on. I, I got a text about that three hours ago. Uh, they had a 33% increase in the restrictor size. So they should be, you know, much faster than they were at Daytona. I hope so. That was painful, wasn't it? Got a feel for Porsche. That was was sad. It was sad. Yeah. And and like, 
I love riding the onboards, you know, watching the onboard cameras during the race and after the race. And like even the stretch between the two horseshoes at Daytona, you know, it's not a, a long flat out run. Um, one of the Mercs, one of the AMGs could be a car length behind. And by the time it gets to the yeah. uh, Western horseshoe, be putting a move on it, <laughs> if not already past the Porsche. It's just like, oh, so bad. But um, yeah, fingers crossed they're in the fight on Saturday. It's interesting that we don't see any actually of the Mercedes in the the WEC race entry list for the 1000. So we will do next year. So that's when we have the GTE GT3 switch is in this. So this year is the last GTE year. GT3 oh god, okay. Next year, but I'm sure we'll see Merck, and I'm sure there are Mercedes teams interested in in being the team to take Mercedes, to, you know, ultimately to Le Mans, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, that's going to be a whole nother problem, converging GT3 classes and making sure they're all balanced as well. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. French, oh, you got good. something? Yeah, I, I guess I just want to do the same thing we did for Daytona and maybe each of us pick out a favorite. Obviously, you and I, Mike, are a little bit at a disadvantage given that, I mean, we know a lot of these drivers, but being relative newbies to WEC, we're going to have to yeah. take a shot in the dark a bit. So maybe we'll let Tim go first and just go by each of the three categories, maybe not predict who will win, but if you had to, you mm-hmm. know, to pick on a favorite or somebody you, you expect to do well, who, who would that yeah. be? So for the top, top class for hypercar, I think, uh, I think it'd be silly not to pick a Toyota. I do think the number seven is probably the car I'd pick. Um, yeah, car looks quick. If they've ironed out the reliability issues that Toyota had all throughout last year, um, then I think they will be in with a good chance. I think that's something that people, potentially new fans coming into the sport, are like, oh, Toyota are just unbeatable. Like they're this all dominating force. There's no way anyone can beat them. Last year and the year before, so since 2021, with essentially the same car. Races have not been easy for Toyota. Like they've really had to overcome quite a few demons. And the fact that last year the race went down to the final round with, you know, in a, in a shootout with Alpine for the title, they had, they had reliability problems all throughout last year that were pretty bad. Um, so if those can be ironed out and if those issues are sorted, I think Toyota are going to be hard to beat. Let me look at the entry list here. Well, I don't want to pick a Toyota, even though I want to pick a Toyota. So I think Dane Cameron and the five Porsche 963 car are going to come away with a good, a good Friday, at least. I don't know about the whole year because it's a long year, but Friday, at least this weekend. Good. You left me my, my choice. I'm picking the Cadillac because of, the just experience with IMSA and hopefully they get off the, you know, right when they roll off the truck, they're, they're kind of running and ready to go. Here's a question. And I don't know the answer, but I was going down to LMP2 to look at the entry list here. Is there any major difference in LMP2 on WEC versus LMP2 in IMSA? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. So that's a really good question. So last year, uh, the uh, WEC LMP2s would have been noticeably slower than the uh, IMSA P2s, just purely because of the pace of the top category. So DPI was a lot faster than GTP slash hypercar is now. As far as I'm aware, P2 and IMSA has now been held, held back a bit towards a pace that's more similar with with WEC, which would make sense, right? Because if the top two classes are essentially the same category with more or less the same bop, then the LMP2 category should be uh, running around a, a similar pace across the board. But I know in the off-season when there was all the the first GTP tests at like Road Atlanta and then they had running at Daytona and all those things, there was LMP2 teams invited to run at the same time so that IMSA could work out how far to to push the LMP2s back, but I would expect that this year the two the two categories across the championship should be should be fairly level. All right. So who's the where did my entry list go here? Who's the who's the LMP2 team to beat? I think my pick's going to be the 22 United Auto Sports car. United are just looking very quick. Um, I think. It's going to be a tough fight, as always, in P2. They were very quick across the weekend of the prologue. Uh, Jota are another team that I think is 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 really strong as well. Yeah. Um, they're running two cars before they exchange one for a, a Porsche 963 in the top class. But yeah, something about United they they haven't had it. They haven't had the the last two years. They've come close to the championship. They've been in the, in the fight. Really, they, they could argue they should have done a little bit better um you know really up against a strong a strong set of competitors so i think this year is the year they uh they bounce back so yeah 22 now i know french is going to take the all french 36 alpine car so i'm going to go second and go with the 20 the 23 car mainly because tom blomquist is in it and mm. then for those who have already listened to this ep- the the interview whenever i publish it josh pearson who's in indie lights as well is in that car and he's a good young driver and we talked to him this week as well so frenchy if you're not going to go with the all french car the 36 who are you going with <laughs> yeah so unfortunately i'm going to have to rail against my false uh french heritage and <laughs> go with the 28 Jota car with uh, Pietro Fittipaldi and Oliver Rasmussen because uh, I just think we already kind of discussed Jota. They're they're looking strong, so I, I expect good things out of that car. Knowing some of those drivers or all three of those drivers, actually. Yeah, Mike, it's a good pick from you because Josh Pearson actually won in this race last year, so uh, becoming one of the I think the youngest WEC race winner ever. Um, 
So you look double up, double home victory, right? He he could do it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that tidbit before we so we're recording this on Monday. We record the interview on Wednesday, and I have no idea when anything is getting released. So thank you for that little bit of research <laughs> that you that you saved me. <laughs> so no the GTE class. I think that's the the only thing I, I have to add there is the the AO Racing Project One car has the one of the coolest liveries I've seen. If that's if that's the one I'm thinking, I'll pull it up on on Twitter while we're talking here. But who's the uh, car to be here? Uh, this entry list has a lot of TBAs on it. The one I'm looking at, so I don't know if that's changed or when this actually even came out. This came out a month ago, so that's probably why. Sure. But who's the uh, who's the favorite? Yeah, the the Project One AO car that you're thinking of is the one uh, they had the GTD car at Daytona with the swap shop Porsche livery on. Um, so that's we're seeing that in IMSA. Uh, sorry, in, in WEC uh, this year. GTM is is really, I'd probably say the hardest to yeah. call. Um, the heart, my heart wants to see the Corvette do well because Ben Keating's in it, and I just really, really couldn't rate Ben Keating more highly if I tried. Um, but I think a, a, a car to look out for, I do think that the number 88 Proton Competition car is going to be good, and that's got so a couple of names you, you'll recognize from the world of IMSA. Uh, Zachary Robichon and Brian Hardwick is racing in that car as well this year, alongside Harry Tinknell, who's another IMSA name you might be familiar with, obviously pretty yep. decent in a, yep. in a Ford and a Mazda. So I think that 88 Proton car is going to be quick. Do I think it's going to be winning at Sebring? Not too sure. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm just going to go with my heart. I'm going to go Corvette. Frenchy? You know, I think because we talked about this a little bit earlier that at least the prologue, the Porsches looked good. So I think I'm going to have to take a Porsche because I want to see a little bit of redemption from the... Uh, lead or whatever they put on them uh, in Daytona. <laughs> so let's let's just go with the let's go with the Iron Dames car. You know that'd be cool to see them pull out a win in the GTEAM race they topped, or category. They topped, they topped three, uh, sorry, two of the four sessions uh, the weekend as well in the prologue. They topped both sessions on Saturday, so they were looking strong. And. Purely because of the livery, I'm taking the AO racing car. It's Gunner Jeanette in it. So we're going with that one. All right. Looking kind of actually, Frenchie, go ahead if you want to jump in. Well, go ahead. No, fin- go finish what you were saying because you might have just been saying the same thing I was about to say. No, I, I, I honestly lost my train of thought. That's why I, I passed it to you. <laughs> oh, I was thinking we switch over to the 12 hour now. Yeah, that's okay. Go ahead. Okay. So in just looking at the entry list for the 12 hour, I'm curious. I mean, this race is going to be fun to watch, obviously, just because we know how bumpy Sebring is. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not going to be maybe the same, I guess, power rankings or the same order as you might expect coming out of Daytona. Um, any things you want to kind of touch on before yeah, we think, do our picks? Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think you're right you know daytona is just a completely different race to sebring they're both so unique in their own rights um sebring's violent you know if daytona is flat out sebring's just violent 
on cars, drivers, teams. You know, the weather can change. We've seen some horrendously wet races. I don't think the forecast is for any rain this weekend, but, you know, it's got that changeable kind of, it's like its own beast, really, Sebring. You know, it can bite you. It can it can really throw up a, a storm when when you least need it. Um, I think, yeah, we're set for a really exciting race. And like you say, that power order can shift because they're such different tracks. You're looking for really different demands on the car, and that might allow a different car to, to, to come to the fore. Um, and like you say, you know, changes to BOP, changes to things post-Daytona is really going to, be interesting to see if the field can level out a little bit here um you know we, in the last few years at sebring we've seen it come down to the last half an hour you know and that's something i know that's typical of imsa racing but a track like sebring we kind of expect cars to get beaten up so much that they don't they don't want to make it to the end of the race uh the imsa teams are pretty good at dragging their machines kicking and screaming to the to the checkered flag um under the cover of darkness so yeah i i i think it's probably one of my favorite races of the year definitely in my top five as a sports car fan so yeah very very much excited for the 12 hours let me pull up the entry list here okay who wants to make the first prediction i'll go first then because i think i think my one might be a little bit uh interesting because of the balance of performance changes coming into this race and off the back of the uh, tire pressure gate situation, <laughs> should we say? Uh, I don't want to call it Deflate Gate on a on an American <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we're going to see a Porsche win this weekend, and I think that the number six is going to do it: Tandy Jaminet and uh, Dane Cameron. Um, I think that's a great card. That car had a lot of pace at Daytona. Right towards the end, we saw Tandy being a weapon once again before it, it went mm. bang on him. But I think that number six car, if the balance of performance is right, and if the pace that we've seen from Porsche in, in the prologue is anything to go by, then I think that car will be right towards the front. In an effort to save their face and save their credibility, the 60 car is going to win again and come under intense scrutiny in every post-race software debrief that is known to man <laughs> in the next three weeks post-Sebring. So, yeah, that's what I'm going with. That'd be cool to see. That'd be a really yeah. nice storyline for them to redeem themselves, basically. I mean, they did, I believe, fire the engineer who was right in, in charge of that. Yeah, so... Responsible. I mean, if quotes. we assume that no one else on the team knew what was going on, which we can just assume that, I guess, <laughs> if we want to, just... uh <laughs> you know we'll, we'll just we won't go there let me instead pick and i i feel bad for just riding the cadillac hype train but if i see a car with sebastian bourdais in it by like childhood fandom for <laughs> the guy says that i have to pick him because neither of you guys did so i mean he won sebring uh in i, th- I would say a far more of an underdog situation right in the yeah. past and yeah. i i think as long as the two Cadillac cars don't crash into each other uh, as the two Ganassi cars did last year, then, you know, they might have a good shot. All righty. LMP2. Frenchie, why don't you keep going? You can go first, and then Tim can jump in. Okay. This one, 
I think I may have to go with the Rick Ware racing car. Oh, just based on their experience with LMP2 in general. And I mean, they've got a good lineup. Eric, Eric Lux is a talented driver. And obviously we know what Devlin DeFrancesco and Pietro Fittipaldi can do. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that car do really well. I'm definitely going to go with, uh, with Mr. Keating again to pick up a, a double win at the weekend. Uh, 52 car didn't have the, the best of luck, I don't think, it, at Daytona. Alex Quinn looked particularly fast as well. Um, and in the absence of a proton car being able to snap it at the line like we saw at Daytona, I'm going to go with the 52. And Mike, you're picking Ed Jones, right? I already know. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I, I am going to pick another Indy Lights guy in, in Nolan Siegel who had a really good Daytona with Ben Hanley and George Kurtz in the CrowdStrike car. So I'm going oh, yeah. CrowdStrike for LMP2. LMP3... Tim, go ahead. Yeah, it's open season, really, in P3. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some good names in there. It's one of those classes that really is all about having a clean race and getting to the end. But off the back of a disappointing Daytona, I'd quite like to see the JDC Miller Motorsports P3 do well. Um, obviously, they're expecting their Porsche 963 to be arriving on their doorstep in the coming months. So, um and that's also the P3 that on the side has got a sticker that says my other car is a Porsche, which I think <laughs> I, is, uh, I think it's really good to see. So I'd like to see that car do well. All right. Frenchy? I'm going to go for the number 74 Riley car. I, I think that those are some, that's a good driver lineup. And like we said, we don't really know with LMP3. It's kind of hard to pick a favorite. And, you know, not to show our ignorance of the LMP3 category too much, Mike, but, uh, you know, that 74 Riley car has been pretty good in almost every yeah. class they've ever run in. So I don't see why that would stop. They're, they're pretty much the benchmark, I think, in P3 as well. They seem to be consistently at the front. Gar Robinson's very solid for for his, you know, in terms of his position uh, as a driver ranking and the, uh, you know, is that, um requirement you know that filled seat and often you see it across categories where the pros are all within a tenth of each other but it's really what difference can the am driver you know the additional driver what difference can they make gar robinson's been absolutely rapid in the last kind of two seasons where we've had p3 and in imsa so yeah great great pick yeah good one i so i just realized that nolan siegel jumped up from lmp3 to lmp2 from Daytona because he's with Sean Creech Motorsports at Daytona and he is with CrowdStrike, as I said before, in P2 now. So just clearing that up for my own self. I'm going with the Garrett Grist Dakota Dickerson car because it's sponsored by Airbnb. And I think that's funny. <laughs> that's literally my only reason on that one. Tim. Why don't you make, why don't we do like combine and do pick a GTD pro and a GTD at the same time? Sure. Uh, now that's good because we, we saw at Daytona that both classes were completely mixed up. And in yep. fact, a yep. GTD car can finish ahead of the pros. So I like that you've, uh, you've saved us from having to worry about <laughs> which one's going to finish in front at Sebring. Uh, look, I think Merck has just been absolutely rapid. So an easy pick would be Mercedes, but I really liked how the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus was uh, 
at Daytona. Um, I'm a massive fan of uh, Ben Barnaco and Jack Hawksworth. I think they're really two, uh, not just underrated drivers, but potentially two under underappreciated drivers just across motorsports. I think they really are something quite special. And I think um, sometime soon, the general motorsport world is going to wake up and realize just how good those guys are. So I'm going to go with the 14 to win in pro and then in GTD regular, if you like. Um, look, the heart of racing, Aston's was so quick at Daytona. And I I just don't think that there's a better lineup at the moment than that number 27 heart of racing car. I think the closest you get is maybe the Winwood Merc, the 57. But something in me thinks that the, the 27 is going to going to back it up at Sebring. Frenchy? All right, let's see. I think for me, it's going to be the Turner Motorsport GTD Pro Car because you just don't bet against Bill Oberlin ever in a race, pretty much. I mean, the guy at his age doing what he does just is incredible. And I think we'll continue to say that because I can't picture him ever stopping. He's kind of like Elio where they'll... <laughs> turn to dust in a race seat at some point they just won't ever retire and and they're not that old like don't get me wrong these guys are not very old <laughs> i make them sound like they're like being wheeled into the car or something but <laughs> but you know what i mean anyway and i think the other car i'm gonna have to go with for just regular gtd and this might be for purely sentimental reasons is the magnus racing aston martin just uh, you know magnus is this plucky little team that tends to really punch above their weight and i mean andy lally spencer Pompelli, john potter they, they they've worked together for so many years it's just like a, a well-oiled machine at this point fair enough i will take i will take the hmm I don't know. I want to be different here. All right, let's let's go. Let's say Porsche comes out of nowhere. The the FAF nine car is going to win in GTD Pro and tell show everybody how Porsche is back. And in regular GTD or GTD without the pro thing, let's go with <laughs> let's go with Gradient Racing and Catherine Legg, Sheena Monk, and Mark Miller. They were relatively good in Daytona. So I think they're going to have a nice weekend in the NSX car there. Tim, is there anything else we forgot? Anything else? I know you're doing live coverage essentially all, all weekend, right? Mm -hmm. I'll be glued to as many screens as one can fit in a room to be able to watch the two Enduros back to back. So I will, yes. really, I will have square eyeballs after the weekend is finished. But yes. yeah, I think... I think one of the key things I would say to fans in general, and particularly new fans, is I've seen a lot of outcry about balance of performance. And it's easy to do that, right? And I think that I'm talking specifically about WEC here. We haven't actually seen these cars race, right? We actually don't know if it's bad balancing or good balancing, right? Sure. So I think let it play out. Remember as well, it's a process. So they might not get it right first time. You'd like to think they might get it right second time. They might not. They might get it right third time. We might be waiting till Le Mans in WEC before things look fairly level. You know, just give it time. Give the process time. Let things work it out. And 
just enjoy the fact that we've got so many cars racing across both classes. You know, this really is some of the strongest entry lists I've ever seen um, for Sebring, be it the thousand miles or yeah. or the twelve hours. You know, just just lap it up and enjoy it because this is this is as good as it gets. I love it. So it's again, WEC is on Friday, IMSA is on Saturday. I'll be sharing out Tim's live coverage and I will have multiple screens, probably two computers running all weekend and maybe my iPad too, as we hang out and watch. So feel free to send us a DM if you want to chat racing all weekend and everybody enjoy. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.